0: Sport, it's your passion, it's your obsession. You want stats and facts, not long boring fiction. Know it all with the Sporting Life Podcast.
1: Well, welcome along to the latest Sporting Life Racing Podcast. David Orr, delighted to be joined by Ed Chamberlain, Cornelius Leicester and David Johnson. And Only one place to start with Ed. Uh, the news on Tuesday, you promised it was a podcast exclusive, you couldn't hold on 24 hours. The new three-year deal for ITV Racing you said it was uh, relief rather than elation. How are you feeling 24 hours
0: off? Relieved. Though <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to try and sort myself a contract out next. I'd still like to be part of it. So that's, that's the next stage. I think, I think everyone's probably quite relieved. I mean, racing, I think Cornelius, you'll agree, needed some good news right now. It's been a stream of pretty depressing tales with prize money and the, the crowd situation at Goodwood, I'm sure we'll talk about. So... Hopefully the timing was good. It's taken a very long time. Hopefully lessons will be learned from that and we can make it easier next time around for racing to stay on terrestrial television, which it's got to do. So yeah, very relieved. And now we can we can start to plan, which has been frustrating because we're now in August and and that's not a long time in television um between the end of the contracts. So and now we can start planning for twenty twenty one. And you know, three and a half years again isn't a long time in, in terms of television. So it take, does take a long time to sync with a with a new sport and a new broadcaster. So, yeah, really pleased and looking forward to cracking on now.
1: David, you tweeted last night about how the, the importance of Terrestrial TV, and you cited your dad as an example, somebody who, who dips in and out of the sport, isn't immersed in it, but wants to be watching the main races, the feature races,
2: and told what the, what the big players are. Exactly, and I think, um, you know, with someone like me who is immersed in racing on a day-to-day basis, we do sort of forget... many people there are out there that you know they might not tune into Sky Sports to watch all of the football but they like watching match of the day on a weekend and they keep in touch with it that way and you know it's very important that racing still does have that output out there that's easy accessible and you know I think we're talking the best part of 100 days a year that people are going to be able to be able to see and that is huge in terms of people being able to enjoy racing and follow the sport closely and, you know, really identify with all these big players, the likes of Stradivarius, you know, I'm sure Ed will tell you how important he was to the viewing figures at Goodwood last week that, you know, people are familiar with these horses that are around a long time now.
1: And Cornelius, we've spoken regularly through, through the lockdown, but we really are being spoiled, aren't we, by the quality of the performances on the track and the, the horses and the trainers and the jockeys. And it's so important to have that showcase, to the wider public, not just within our bubble.
3: Yeah, and um, no, you, you're, you're absolutely right. And obviously, the circumstances in which, in which lots of good stuff has been crammed into a relatively short amount of time have been very sad in, in the outside world. But they have made racing really uh, you know, good to watch, probably a bit easier to sell. Um, but but, but you know, the fact is that people have bought so that 's the the crucial thing. The figures for the for I think it was two point three million for the derby one point seven for the for the race just um, before the quiz show on ITV uh, <laughs> during Royal Ascot. so that shows what can be done, but now the the, the next move is to to push them forward and i 'm sure Ed would agree with that no, no one 's sitting back saying look we 're doing this really brilliantly. you know We can sit back and, uh, and put our feet up and uh, allow everything to happen from." Uh, January the first. The, the the challenge now is to take that two point three figure for the derby up to take the what was the figure was it nine million last year for the for the real grand national? Uh, yeah, just less than ten. Yeah, yeah, just less than ten million. You no, know, the the challenge now for everybody is to is to take those, those numbers forward. And you know, ITV are clearly absolutely up for that challenge. Uh, I I still you know that I get a bee in my bonnet about making it. Uh, you know, accessible and easy to follow, etc., etc., etc. I still think that's a challenge, not just for ITV but for the entire sport. You know, plenty of people. You know, those numbers are great, but but uh, you know, as a proportion of the adult population, or of the population 18 plus, clearly they're not enormous. And time and time again, you know, people say, you know, I just find it baffling. I found it really difficult to to, to get into, and that is the next challenge uh, to come up with. A way of explaining, which isn't patronizing, a way of explaining that doesn't put people off who do know what they're talking about. Uh, I, I read an article in the Racing Post last week uh, where um, there were a couple of really good phrases, but completely, in my view, the opposite. On the one hand, the article said, got to delve into the mystery. That, that's absolutely right. And then said, um, what, what's the expression? Annoying frippery. Well, you know, that, that in the same article seems to really understand what the issue is and misunderstand what the issue is. You know, just because you end up looking at some hats or or doing some history surrounding a particular event is not frippery. It's a way of broadening stuff out and making it uh, as broad as possible. So is, that, is that a fair point to make, Ed? I think that's uh, a very, I think that's you know, a very fair point. step forward is now important. Yeah, yeah I, listen, I, that's the kind of thing I get all the
0: time and people need to see the bigger picture. I mean, every, every show on ITV is different. And a Saturday afternoon show is very different to a Stradivarius show on a Tuesday. Sure. And you, you, your average viewer, if you can have an average viewer when you've got a lot of people watching on a Saturday afternoon, generally, is someone who's worked damn hard during the week and just wants to be entertained and relaxed, maybe have a bet. And you've got to take them on that journey and that does mean doing other things and making it fun and making a scotch egg occasionally, possibly. <laughs> um, have you made any I hope down the track, in, in that challenge you described there, Cornelius, I genuinely want people who've tasted racing for the first time in lockdown to want to go racing in 2021, to want to sample being a member of the owners group or elite racing, to give that kind of thing a try, or maybe even more of that, and being deadly serious down the track, subscribe to Timeform, whatever it might be. Those are the kind of things we want to convert. It's not all just about watching television. We, we want the future of the sport to be rosy as well.
3: I think the really good thing about Goodwood last week was, A, it's a magnificent stage and it looked great because uh, the sun shone most of the time, didn't it? It looked terrific. And then you had your Stradivarius, your Mahatha, your Batash, uh, and uh, uh, lots of other um, goodies as well. So uh, D- Dave and I were discussing this on, um, on the podcast a couple of times last week uh, when I couldn't think of anything else to say. I said the same <laughs> thing twice. Sound like you, Cornelius. That, the, the, <laughs> the fact of the matter is um, uh, uh, that 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 was a great that that ITV had good numbers for a good, easy to watch program. Like I'm not just blowing bubbles up, you know where, but you know, good, good, good stage, good action, and I I honestly think plenty of people who dipped in last week will be so intrigued by Goodwood that, uh, and I think Marcus Dragoning said after Mahatha One. I'd I, I bring anyone to Goodwood first time out who'd never been to the races before. And I think there'll be plenty of first time outs in 2021. 20, I, I hope so, anyway. Yeah,
0: because, David, um, sport doesn't follow scripts and racing certainly doesn't follow scripts. But if you'd said to me at the start of the week, I could have Sunshine, a Spitfire with thank you NHS <laughs> written on the bottom of it. And then for us, how lucky are we to have Stradivarius doing, it, doing what he's doing? But Tash, I think, arguably is even more important. We'll come to that later. And then you've got Tregoning and and other stories as well. We're, we're fortunate, aren't
2: we? I certainly think so. Yeah. It's, um, you know, you look at all the various stories that uh, were going on throughout the week and, uh, you know, they're all so different, you know, obviously, you know, Batash, the champion sprinter, you got uh, Stradivarius, the champion stayer, and just being able to reflect on those doing what they'd still doing as six year olds, you know, absolutely better than ever, probably, um, certainly Stradivarius in the Gold Cup last year and Batash still doing what he's been doing for so long despite the fact that he is a six-year-old now it's just absolutely great to see.
1: David I'm going to keep us within the racing bubble for a few questions now I'm going to come to you first of all um interference in races careless riding how are you on it it's been one of the big buzz topics Kevin Blake written a couple of very strong articles on it on at the races and um, we've seen a couple of examples of the last week Rob Havlin successfully appealing his 10-day ban at Yarmouth and then at Goodwood, Tilsit and Ryan Moore coming across, snatching up a rival, going on to win the race and you've took the Betfair exchange market never in any danger of losing it in the stewards room. How comfortable are you at the minute that we've got things right or how much do you think it needs to change?
2: I think judging from what we see on the uproar on Twitter I think I'm more in the minority than the majority in that I think the way the rules are at the minute I don't think that there's too much of an issue with them. Um, It's, I think if you want to sort of have a real issue, for me, the problem is you've got horses moving at 35, 40 mile an hour on tracks like Goodwood. You know, if there's bound to be problems, there's bound to be interference. If you want to do away with that, you probably want to do away with tracks like Goodwood because, you know, running races in events like, on courses like that, it's always going to lead to trouble. Um, I'm not sure I agree with the witch hunting sort of in terms of trying to ban jockeys for longer. It reminds me rather similar of when John Recruit used to beat on about when jockeys eased up prematurely and said ban them for six months, that'll stop it. You know, no one was easing down thinking, oh, it's okay, I can take it easy. I'm going to get banned for three weeks if I ease off too soon. Much like jockeys aren't taking... They just don't have time to react to think, you know what, it doesn't matter. I'll just do this. I'll do that. It's split second decisions of horses that are moving at 40 mile an hour. And, you know, I think we're asking a hell of a lot of jockeys as it is and trying to sort of ban them for longer as if it's going to make a difference. You know, if you want to actually stop them, Paul Struthers made a really good point in a podcast on Betfair yesterday. He was saying that the only way you are actually going to change it is if, you look at actually disqualifying horses and instead of giving the benefit of doubt of doubt to the first passer post you actually say well actually should the benefit of the doubt go to this horse that suffered the interference rather than the one that won the race so i think it's very tricky but um i don't think the rules as they stand are too far wide of the mark Cornelius
1: we finally got our racing fixture list that we've been craving through to leave. Mm. The end of the year we've got a boost in prize money and increased contribution from the levy board but let's be fair it's not all sweetness and light within the rating parish still on this issue <laughs> the, the prize money is still there the problems are still there how, how worried are you going into the about where we are right now
3: uh, well we're, we're, we're definitely not moving in the wrong direction whether we're moving much in the right direction well clearly we 're moving a bit, but just a bit it 's a bit on the slow side isn 't it? but you know the the i t v thing that's one less thing to to be concerned about. Uh, there is a deal in place for the latter part of the year, so that's something uh, maybe the the time to be worried is from January the first onwards uh, when you know not in in the racing world in the the world as a whole you know twenty twenty one is going to be a really, really challenging year and you know the challenges that racing faces are considerable, but the the challenges that lots of different um, walks of life, you know, whether it's pizza restaurants or whether it's betting shops or whether it's manufacturing or whatever, there, there are going to be massive amount of problems. Uh, racing is in a in a position; it's got lots of smart heads, and let's hope that they can sort of get together and and move things forward and not do too much bickering because it is it's almost like a caricature isn't it the, the the bickering now and the the race courses on taking one corner and the the, the players the horseman's group taking another corner and BHA and I, I, funnily enough I, th- I thought there was a striking quote as regards the ITV contract from John Gosden uh, about the BHA where he said um, uh, when when talking about uh, the importance of sorting out the, the funding issue uh, he was talking about ITV and the BHA, uh, and there was a definite pop at somebody. To be clear, uh, BHA not part of the negotiations. He said so. The frustration of people like John Gosden and of all the other players is definitely there, and it has to be hoped that things do 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 improve. I, I, you know, I think the 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 September the first onwards looks sort of okay. Uh, obviously, the prize money is not as good as it uh, as it should be, but there's an element of certainty. It's January the first onwards that could be the concern.
1: And Ed, we were due to welcome back five thousand racegoers at Goodwood on the Saturday. The government pulled the plug on the eve of that, as they did with all sport, cricket, snooker at the Crucible. What was the sort of reaction? The feeling at Goodwood at that news? How worried are you about for the future of some racecourses as this moves forward? And what about the notion from Doncaster? They'd like to welcome people back to the Central Ledger meeting. How much is that viable, or is it pie in the sky?
0: Hopefully not pie in the sky, because we've got to get crowds back. We can't, what Cornelius has talked about there, yes, in the short term, we're going in the right direction, but we won't be going in the right direction for long if we can't, we can't get crowds back sooner rather than later. I thought Adam Waterworth's words were very good, but very sobering at the weekend, off the back of the news that broke from the government. Listen, I can understand the government's decision. I find this government just, you just can't read what's going to happen next. The messaging. Cornelius, you and I, when we do any kind of media training, messaging and clarity is all important. You never know what's coming next. And and even when you do, it's so hard to comprehend. And I felt so sorry for Goodwood, the snooker, the cricket, to have the rug pulled from under their feet. Admittedly, these are very strange times and these decisions need to be made. But less than 24 hours away with the work that they put in, the money they spent, which I'm not sure the government would have the first idea what they've done. From the moment we arrived at Goodwood on the Monday through to broadcast on the Tuesday, you could tell everything at the race course was being geared towards Saturday. The efforts they had put in were astonishing. Um, the lanes they created, the zones they created, the different car parks. The, it was a military operation to create these eight zones. It wasn't going to be much fun, I don't think, the truth be told. But it was a step in the right direction all the food they got in and all these, all these different things they'd done, to have that taken away at such short notice was really, really sad. I felt so sorry for these guys who'd put in so much work. I know that's the way of the world at the moment, but I still felt desperately sorry for them. And it's going to be very hard to get that going again. Now that that has been stopped once, it's, they're going to have their work cut out to make that step forward. I'd love it to have taken another step forward at York, but as it is, we haven't taken that first step yet. And Doncaster would be a good place to do it with the size of that place and what they can do with the seating at the front actually might make it easier. So fingers crossed that would happen because if crowds don't come back, we've got a major problem from big race courses through to your Newton Abbots, Purse, Cartmels, etc. Because as Adam said, that is the vast source of their revenue comes from gate receipts and people coming racing. And at the moment, a crowd looks some way off, doesn't it? And I think that is really, really, really worrying.
3: I thought the extra sobering thing from Adam Waterworth, uh, who has behaved, imp- and the Goodwood executive and indeed the York executive have behaved impeccably, particularly Goodwood, because obviously it's cost them a lot of money. Um, but York had sort of got geared up to be part of step two, hadn't it? Um, I, I thought the other sobering thing from Adam was suddenly, he said in, in one interview, you know, hopefully we'll all be okay for, for 2021. And i just, you know, he, he was probably being Mr. Cautious to an extent. Uh, but but it was, it, I, I found it just quite, it uh, stopped in my tracks, a bit sobering. You know, we have no idea how long all this is going to go on for. And, you know, racing, uh, all sports, uh, um, uh, big, big sports crowds could be affected for really quite a long time to come. So I thought, I thought that was the other sobering thing from there. The good thing about Doncaster, if step one does take place, when's the Sid Ledger? 15th of September? Something, something like that. So that's a fortnight until the 1st of October. And to be fair, the 1st of October has been a bit of a magic date. Now, now hopefully, the, the, the central government was being extra cautious last week. Uh, by the middle of September, it, th- th- things will have calmed down a little bit further. Uh, People will have, uh, you know, they'll have concentrated a bit more on what can be done as Goodwood had demonstrated uh, it was going to do. And then from the 1st of October, uh, you know, we can can have, you know, I think But my point is that the 1st of October had been the magic date. Suddenly we got a bit ahead of ourselves and we thought, actually, we're going to be able to pull this off a little bit earlier. Perhaps the 1st of October all along was the realistic date.
1: And David, before we move on to a Goodwood review, sad news through on Tuesday, uh, the death of Skeptical. Um, it would have been such a star of this flat season, burst upon the scene, they could all have been cast off, and it leads a huge hole for his connections.
2: Absolutely, yeah. You know, your um, horse just sort of came from nowhere, wasn't he? Sort of literally winning races on the all weather at Dundalk, and every time he won, he won by so far. I think oh, this could be interesting. And then, you know, before you know it, she was posting sort of listed class performances in handicaps, and then all of a sudden, bang, there he is. He's in the Diamond Jubilee. He's going off two to one, three to one favourite, you know, something like that. And he came up short twice in Group One Company, both times over six furlongs. There was still something to see whether, you know, when he goes back to, if he went back to five furlongs, races like the Flying Five, the Numthorpe against Batash would have been something for us to see. And yeah, you know, I mean, it's tragic when any horse um, obviously uh, loses a life. But you know, all the more so given the backstory behind this horse, you know, there's definitely unfinished business about him. And uh, yeah, real shame for Connection's uh, to lose him like
3: they did. And hardly ever a better example of the ups and downs. You know, Dennis Hogan, his trainer, finishes his riding career on a high uh, at one minute. And then just a couple of days later, that goes and happens. So uh, a real roller coaster time for Dennis Hogan and his team in Tipperary.
0: You're listening to the Sporting Life Racing Podcast in association with SkyBet. For more, visit SportingLife.com and you can find us on social media at Sporting Life on Twitter and at Facebook.com forward slash Sporting Official.
1: And now we're going to move on to, to Goodwood now. The, the most viewed race, your highest viewing figure of the week was the Strad, as John Gosden called him the first time I've ever heard him refer to him as, as Strad uh, in an interview. Wonderful horse race, fascinating viewing. What did you make of it, and what did you make of the decision to target the arc afterwards?
0: I, I was surprised with, with the viewing number. Very pleased with the size of it, obviously, but more the fact that it was the highest of the week, because normally that would always be the weekend, always. To have that on a Tuesday was, was extraordinary, really. But that just shows the power of these horses, the pull of these horses. You're always looking for hooks in television, and we're so lucky to have these hooks, to have your tiger rolls, your Stradivariuses, and your enables. They are the best hooks possible. Frankie doesn't do it any harm either. I thought that was a brilliant performance. I think Gold Cups, not many horses stay that trip, do they, in Gold Cups? And for him to do that is brilliant. But he stays it so much better than anywhere else. He's head and shoulders above the rest. But to do what he did in a Goodwood Cup, where that turned into a speed test, which was a bit of a surprise, and I was disappointed with Santiago, but take nothing away from Stradivarius. To give him £15 pounds and an absolute shoeing if we're in truth, he looked in trouble. And the way he gets out of it, he's just, as a horse, he's a great character as well. And to have Bjorn Nielsen there, very nearly dropped a clanger, but we won't talk about that with Bjorn Nielsen that day. And to have Frankie and have Stradivarius was just the perfect start to the week, really. It was just a brilliant, brilliant performance. I think, because he, he just stays so well at Ascot. For me, David, that might not have been as spectacular a performance, but for me, it was actually arguably better. Would you, would you agree?
2: It's one of those, you know, what, what do you want in terms of greatness? And, you know, ratings boars like me like to see them win by a long way so that you can put big figures on them. And, you know, that's what we got to, to Ascot when he won by, was it 10 lengths? And he said, yes, he's worth a rating of hundred and thirty. Now, obviously, the horse that he beat by 10 lengths, he only beat by a length at Woodward. But there's so many reasons that we can account for that, you know. It was a force. Which horse long... was that? <laughs> it was named road wasn't it so, yes
3: <laughs> favorite of mine
2: <laughs> yeah and of course obviously um stradivarius now going the mile and a half route leaves races like the lonsdale perhaps at naf road's mercy let's hope but um you know you get horses that won't always run to the highest racings because of the way that races are run and that's definitely got what we got at goodwood he wasn't ever going to be able to get the opportunity to run to the same figure as what he did at to Ascot, but he still won. And that's what we like to see, you know, these horses that we say are great, they keep turning up. They don't run to great levels every time, you know, perhaps with the exception of Frankel maybe, but they keep turning up, they keep winning, they keep getting the job done. And, you know, you look at his record since he was a three-year-old, you know, he's, you know, I think his worst performance has been third, where you could argue that the races haven't. to, suited him and you know just fingers crossed he stays sound and that we see how he can go in the arc because if we get t- Serpentine and um, Gaeaf going at each other from a long way out in the arc you can certainly see it being set up for, to suit him and he'll be staying on in the closing stages.
0: I thought it was, it was fascinating afterwards that John Gosden in his brilliant way said Mr Nielsen would like to go for the pre <laughs> and, the, and then the arc. Which what, thought about,
3: said a Frank, lot. what about Franka's reaction which was oh, what am I, I going to say? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 well, I'm not going to put him off um, but uh, no how, how fascinating if he turned up in the arc, Enable turned up in the arc, and logician um, I suppose theoretically um, might be there too. So you know what are, we've been talking about narrative of the year uh, and around these big horses well, most of it, obviously, is steering towards UK races, but that would be an amazing steer uh, towards the arc, wouldn't it, uh, in October, which, Absolutely. which will be on ITV, will it? Don't know. Don't know. Don't Dealing know. with the French, Cornelius, is not straightforward. Well, I forward. hope, I hope, I hope <laughs> the agreement's quit, pulled off quicker than the one with the British racing. I'm not um, sure. The
0: previous years <laughs> would suggest it will be a last-minute thing. Down to the wire. <laughs> yes.
1: David, you mentioned time-farm ratings are 130. We hit another one at Goodwood with Mahartha in the Sussex stake. so with Builders the race of the the week I think it certainly delivered what did you make of the performance and how comfortable are you that he's now at that top class level that that 130 indicates?
2: Yeah I think you know um, the Sussex got all the build up didn't it um, and it didn't disappoint at all it was always I guess there was going to be that what you might call a Goodwood element to it in that not everybody got a fair crack of the whip and you might sort of think That was Mahartha's day, he had everything, okay, he didn't get the run of the race, but more so the way that a turning mile where speed rather than stamina is tested, that probably is his optimum. Whereas someone like Camaco, who we know stays a mile thoroughly, didn't get the clearest of runs. You know, there's several horses that were beaten that day that will come away from it thinking, well, you know what, on a different day, under different circumstances, we've still got a chance of turning that around. And for me, that's what you mean. Really no,
0: David, come see. on. <laughs> you, c- well, you couldn't see that. I, I, I can't have that. I thought Mahatha was the best by a mile.
2: Under these circumstances, but, you know, he's, he's a horse that's by showcasing, the speed in his pedigree. Do you definitely think we'll see the same Mahatha if it's soft ground over a mile in the QE2 in October? Possibly, level, I'm more that talking about those horses. I'd go to.
0: I thought Camaco obviously didn't have the best of luck, but to me in that race, 10 times out of 10, I backed Mahatha to beat him. I thought Mahartha did unbelievably to win from what happened. I don't think Siskin stays. And I just thought that was a breathtakingly brilliant performance. And I, I didn't really buy into the, the Cameco um story for me. I think a lot of that's protecting the future and blah, blah, blah. But I thought Mahatha was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And who was the commentator who used to say, "Match the best?
1: <laughs> I think he still says it, Ed. I think he still <laughs> pulls up uh, it,
3: But Races of the week, races of the year, races of the decade, whatever. When they're billed as such, they don't often live up to it. Something goes, Something goes wrong, doesn't it? I thought it was as good a horse race on the flat that I've seen for a had everything didn't it for 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 a long time because it had everything from the anticipation the stage i think the sun was out wasn't it um, making it look better the opponents for good drama for mahathir drama for kamico uh, a brilliant winner a gallant second uh, and to take nothing away from horse jockey and owner but the most uh, you know super human interest story as well behind and Marcus dragoning last week at goodwood had six runners Form figures seven one two one two six, and one of the twos was pretty luckless. Uh, so uh, you know it's great to see him uh, back in in the big time. And and Dave Orden and I discussed this after on the actual day. But some of the quotes from from Marcus, who is a Marcus Tregoning, who's a, a great character. The 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 Tregonings come from Cornwall, and there were I think there was a Tregoning who started the. The, the 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 sort of family firm who was part of the sort of polled-up generation uh, in in Cornwall and he's just got a Marcus has got a lovely turn of uh, turn of phrase as well I love the I'm just an old duffer in a straw hat they like straw hats around here oh sorry I mean Panama's he said um, <laughs> and uh, and then he was talking about Whitsbury, where he trains where previously uh, there've been some some brilliant trainers notably. David Ellsworth and, and Rafe Becken in the past, owned uh, by uh, the uh, Whitsbury Stud, so all part of the same estate, uh, which stands showcasing. So that was extra neat. And that was another good quote from him. Let's hope they drop the rent and put showcasing's price up as a result of all this, he said. <laughs> Some hope. Uh, so it was just really, it, it had everything from brilliant sport to brilliant people. Uh, and I think Marcus Stragonian is going to be a really interesting player in the in the years to come, uh, Sheikh Hamdan has got sort of half of his horses, uh, so he, he must have thirty odd horses for Sheikh Hamdan uh, of about sixty that he's got. Uh, clearly, uh, getting those good re- that good result and the good result as well with um, what was the other horse called Al Al Kuwait? Al yeah. Sorry, not Kuwait. Al Kuwait. He had a good result also for Hamdan, a horse called Ta- Tazfik that ran sort of on the undercard on the Saturday that ran very green, but is clearly very promising. So hopefully he's going to get plenty of support from, uh, from the Hamdan team and he's going to be a big player uh, in the years ahead, back, back, to, back to his best. And, you know, ITV and all media couldn't, couldn't be more pleased to have somebody who's not one of the obvious characters, not at the moment anyway, who's such an effervescent character.
0: Particularly Dave Aud. How how was Audie on Wednesday evening calling it? It's an emotional
3: mess.
1: I injured my shoulder when I had to switch, going to the, the ITV side on footage where he dropped a lot to get out. There was a slam of the, the pen on that. A bit of a shoulder <laughs> injury during the Sussex Days. What and i heard heroes of the game here.
3: What I heard from 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 Aud HQ was that actually he was on the uh, arm of the sofa riding Mahaffa. <laughs> and when he went into the pocket, he fell off. Well, fortunately, the real Mahaffa had Jim Crowley on board and, uh, and uh, kept him going all the way to the line. Absolutely. Went to grab
2: <laughs> holders. Holders. Putins, apparently, and that's why now they need replacing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> in the background. Are we getting a new sofa as well? What, oh, interesting. Yeah. You were talking, Ed, about Kamiko uh, and uh, Oshin went on to Oshin Murphy, the champion jockey, was on television afterwards, I think on ITV, wasn't he, saying... Yeah, he was, uh, brilliantly honest. Unfortunately, think... you don't want hard luck stories, but the best horse didn't win on the day. You thought that was that that was diplomacy, foreign office stuff, did he?
0: I, yeah, and, and Ashin's brilliant. I would never knock him for that. And, you know, they've, they've got a, a valuable prospect moving forward, haven't they? But there's one angle. We had our own blimp, which was one of the best investments I thought we we've made for a very long time at Goodwood last week. And there's a blimp shot from overhead where he has space for a, for a second and you'd want him to quicken into it and at that point there's no response i'm not saying he's not better than that result but for me he's never round goodwood beating Mahartha in, in a race of that nature a straight track a mile at, at Ascot, as you say david on soft ground could be a different story but I, i'd imagine they'll go judgment i'm sure 10 furlongs is is the holy grail for them and i'll leave you with one thing audio uh, that was off the record from marcus forgotten that you mustn't comment on well don't in put Formal, it on the record in cornwall or devon wherever it is there is from the family business a tregonning shaft oh yes
1: there is isn't. <laughs> moving swiftly on david let's let's move on to, I'm not can, I, go can, on I, to can
3: i put, put in one quick communion. can i just add one quick thing on the sussex stakes? what does it mean about our three-year-olds because um uh has been beaten there siskin uh, uh, possibly didn't stay i thought just wasn't good enough maybe maybe stamina being the issue. The three, the male three-year-olds, um, the 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 jury's out, isn't it? There's quite a big question mark at the moment. And when Serpentine runs next, that's going to be just really, really. Yeah, you can add
0: you could add Santiago to that, and David, they all finished in a heap in the Gordon Stakes, didn't they?
3: Yeah, did, there's yeah. not there's not a superstar in there, is there?
2: No, but I mean, we could have say that Palace Pier, he's the obvious three-year-old okay. old that was missing from the. Uh, um, Sussex and Pinatubo as well. You know, you'd like to have thought that they'd have been bang there. And hopefully, obviously, uh, I think Palestine is going to run in France in the next couple of weeks or so uh, in the Jacques Marouas So we mm. might see, you know, whether he is definitely, you know, he certainly looked the real deal, didn't he, at Royal Ascot. And uh, hopefully, we'll see him sort of really prove that he is a genuine uh, top class horse.
3: Nothing wrong with the six year olds, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> a vintage crop of six-year-olds david when do we start getting worried about the
1: derby form the derby third beaten in a maiden sadly picked up an injury during the race and is out for this season we saw mogul win the garden stakes relatively hard work english kings plodded on from the rear khalifa sat no no real show at what point do we sort of start saying oh, this is this is an under par we're take that
2: Well, I think, you know, we were saying it pretty much uh, at two furlongs out, weren't we? Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, but, you know... Don't get me in trouble again. (laughs) You know, um, they were beaten a long way. It's Hmm. not a surprise, almost, that some of those horses that were only running sort of to 110, 115 in the derby aren't coming out from the derby and running to 120, 125, you know. They were beaten a long way in the derby and... The key question is that we need answering, and it's only going to be answered when we see Serpentine next, is, is he as good as he looked that day? Um, you know, the jury is out. So many people will sort of uh, really say that he got the run of things, and they'll only sort of believe what they saw if he does it again. So, you know, fingers crossed he stays sound, and that we see him in the Grand Prix de Paris on St. Ledger weekend.
1: Now let's talk about doing it again. Batash won a fourth uh, Attacking George Sex, Ed Chamberlain screaming, David Coleman style. Look at the clock! Or look at the time! It was it was very exciting. It's a wonderful performance. David, how high in the list of Batash's greatest hits does that performance stand?
2: I'm going to be boring again now and sort of uh, have to point out the uh, proximity of the third ornate. <laughs> so that sort of you go for it, David. <laughs> I couldn't give a monkey.
1: <laughs> no, please do go for you David. Know, please he, do. He
2: holds the bare form down a little bit. Uh, unfortunately but sometimes you know again it's not just all about the ratings it It is the fact that he's still here he's doing it as a six-year-old and he's got enough performances in the book to know that he is a genuine sort of mid-130s horse on the time form figures I said before he's the only horse currently um that's ever been time form champion sprinter three years on the bounce There's going to be something very strange if he's not going to be getting that for a fourth year on the trot as well so you know he, he's breaking records he's 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 beginning to transcend just the ratings bores, isn't he now you know he's, he's <laughs> everyone's sort of been well schooled in the story of Batash and how he's not straightforward how he's a little bit tricky but he doesn't always give his running but as time goes on we're sort of having to reinvent that story again and you know, he's probably only got one disappointment in the Abbey last year, over the last sort of 15, 16 months. And, you know, there's not many horses that you can say that about. And I just hope he stays around as a seven-year-old and eight-year-old. And obviously, as a Gelding, there's a good chance he could, as long as he's maintaining this kind of level. And that retribution or reinvention or reincarnation,
1: Connie, it's been a, theory, a sort of theme of the year. We had it with Gaea, couldn't back up and then bang it yeah. or so in the Eclipse. Batash gets beat too often to be an absolute crackhead expert well Well. As David said, one-off day in two years isn't ain't bad.
3: No, and um, I think um, plenty of people have had to eat words, haven't they? With Batash going into Ascot, he'd never won at Ascot previously. The the, 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 the distances weren't massive either, but they're, they're, you know, clearly he has nothing against Ascot. Gareth, well, he he might have taken a bit longer because he'd blotted his copybook in the past, but uh, no, he's he's right up there now. Ed was just saying, that I suppose Cameco will go to the international states. You think Cameco taking on Gaeth, oh, you, you know, you, yes, it, please. It, it's <laughs> one to savour, But uh, I don't know what the betting will be, but, uh, but Gaeth is going to be short enough, I would have thought, uh, to be, especially if, if the three-year-old, the top three-year-olds continue not to have particularly good results. Let's say Palace went to the Jacques Le on Sunday week and was beaten there's a big question mark over the three-year-olds this year, then um, Gaeth against Cameco could end up, and others, could end up being, because we don't know an enable, we, we don't necessarily know an enable won't be there, do we, in the um, international stakes as well. So what a race that is, um, is, is revving itself up to be. But uh, I've had, I have to admit that uh, I was very sceptical about Gaeth earlier on in the year, but uh, you, know, you, ca- you cannot but, but really admire these horses now. You know, if I'm strictly honest, and obviously the owners have an absolute, or the owner has an absolute right to call his horses whatever he wants, i wish they had slightly better names. Um, but, um, you know, to, to be honest, if that's the only thing against them, it's not very serious.
1: And you've got you know, just not the, the most,
3: Yeah, it's just not the catchiest name in the world. Batash is a bit different. And, but I have to say, when Jim Crowley started talking about the Batmobile, I, you know, my, my admiration for both the horse and the jockey went up even higher.
1: <laughs> and then you've got some stars to sell at York, haven't you? You're not only that mouthwatering international, it potentially Enable v Love, but that non thought that Batash is heading to now is the test that we've been waiting for. He's in against Art Power, a thriving progressive three-year-old, two-year-olds coming in against him. At least that's something completely different in the sprint division.
0: Just on Enable, it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't see Enable at York at all.
1: Just wouldn't surprise.
0: Just wouldn't wouldn't surprise me and I might be at Kempton for the September stakes if we're not allowed to get a haydon. but anyway um this is where ITV differs from time form which is absolutely nothing wrong with that at all and I totally admire how you look at that race but this is how I look at the race totally differently from Goodwood moving th- forward to York because Batash for me my main worry with Batash is Bob Bob looked lamer and slower than ever leaving Batash around in the paddock, because we absolutely love Bob on ITV. He's a big part of the story, but he, he wasn't moving that fluently, Bob, and um, we hope he's going to be at you. I'm sure he will be, um, but he was pretty lame. And Batash himself, everything was about Batash's time, David. For, for us, for me, doing what I do, I'm always looking for hooks. I'm always talking about hooks. Batash and the clock now is a massive hook for an ITV audience, because it's something they understand. We can build up to that race and say he had 56.2 to beat. And how sad is it that British racing cannot get a clock put on the screen and it's not Mark Johnson screaming, just look at that time, rather than me. And that was pretty quick in British racing terms, how we managed to get that time so quick. That was a minute probably after the finish. But that should be Mark Johnson screaming a la David Coleman, a la Steve Cram at the time and, and how you'd love to have that at york but we can't do that we couldn't do that at ascot because the official time isn't what's on screen it's just such a shame and my story moving forward to number i'm always thinking of how we can hook people in i'm sort of researching great commentators and trying to put a commentary from athletics onto batash because for me fine ornate and blah 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 but that's a can you see david why that's the great hook for a sports fan, oh, uh, into Batash. Abs-
2: absolutely. And, you know, I always say that racing is a broad church and we need to embrace that. And it's fine to have that story for one audience and a different story, you know, and a different slant on it for another audience. Certainly wouldn't, uh, wouldn't want to sort of move, move that, away but from that. that
0: and... But, that, but that, that the time form angle can also be part of our story as well. We've got to, in that broad church, we've got to have all those elements to it. Um, and that's why Batash, for me, that's why he was my number one Audi And my sporting live column from Goodwood, because for me, he's now such a good hook to bring people into racing. And as Cornelia said at the start of today, I love to think that people who watch that on Friday will want to give it another go because that was really exciting. It's just such a shame we can't make more of the time.
3: Maybe one of the innovations for ITV going that, you know, is that pretty much top, you know, near the top of the list? You know, having a, yeah, it has been
0: for for four years. Right. Well, you'll get get, the Temple from back at
2: Epsom. Uh, could you imagine Batash running uh, at Epsom uh, oh, the time that he'd fantastic. go there? I, like, sure. be something else. I think, oh, uh, Nate won the dash in 54 seconds there. So just think what um, Batash would do running downhill at Epsom. That'd be really something else.
1: Imagine.
2: imagine. Aren't lucky
1: at this country to have this diversity of tracks to allow these different style of performances, these different tests? We've talked about Mahathra and the Milers and Batash, brilliant at Goodwood, completely different test at York. And, and Paris, it's what it's wonderful that how diverse racing is in this country. And long way, it continues. Most well courses battle for their futures. I've down to the final two questions. We're running out of time. These are these are maybe times for the podcast editor. They questions, isn't me? Thank <laughs> you. <isn't laughs> me. On, go Nevis, and deal. I'm coming to you for the first one. Was one of the more significant results of the week the victory of Fancy Blue in the Nassau states for Donica O'Brien? Well, uh,
3: yes and no. I would have thought um, in terms of the Philly, She's now a, a double group one winner. Uh, she, if, if I'm brutally honest, she hasn't really set my pulse racing. But um, maybe that's because she's not, going back to, to what Dave was saying earlier on, but not winning by half the track. Um, but maybe that's just her style. But in terms of a basic good story to tell, is Donica O'Brien is absolutely uh, tremendous. Uh, you know, part of this dynasty. Uh, and clearly, uh, a very an even chattier part of the dynasty compared to other parts. Uh, in in great form on um, <laughs> uh, on ITV afterwards. That's a brilliant and, description. <laughs> uh, and uh, there was a, a zoom a zoom call from uh, from his office as well to um, fact. There, there there were there were zoom calls uh, from O'Brien uh, from Aidan and from Donica to ITV and to the general media. And I think they were from the same room, but they moved the laptop each time. So, it, uh, so, so, so there was a different backdrop. Uh, but Aidan was just struggling with the sound on one of the Zoom chats to the media. And uh, whose hand was it just helping? And I have a feeling it was Donica's. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, here in Donica, you've got, a, you know, a bit like Oshin Murphy and Tom Marquand, Harry Bentley. Um, so those are three other examples you've got a young guy who's dynamic who's photogenic who's uh likeable uh and is part of horse racing um so uh yeah i think in terms of uh, I've, I've, in terms of the horse well done the horse but in terms of the result and the people involved a bit like marcus dragoning and mahatha the story was really about donica rather than this horse in the same way as it was about marcus uh, uh sort of as well as his horse but Marcus almost got more headlines didn't he and yeah, I
2: asked I'm two talking.
3: questions already just sorry I, I asked two questions to Donica and the contrast you referred to
0: there was summed up when I said as I, how enjoyable was that and his father would have said oh I'm so chuffed for Doreen Brian blah 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 and Donica just went it was horrible <laughs> it's horrible and That's then I asked, him what, I asked him what next where you, you might get lads mentioned and he said oh we'll think about the irish champion states and then maybe they are, And you're like whoa he, he seems like a really
1: good guy he'll learn the lessons
3: and there was but there was though he slipped in on certainly on the media zoom but uh, it's a great credit to all the team and to gavin and dorian and christopher so uh, <laughs> there's a little bit of dad there as well
1: <laughs> you've got to have that dad i want to talk to you about the two-year performances at goodwood obviously you're your specialist area in time form um Let's start with Battleground. It's been a funny year for Ed O'Brien's two years. I think he's the only two winner that they've had. Or they haven't got many. You look at the Phoenix Stakes on Saturday. There's not many with ones next to their names uh, heading into that base. How impressed were you with Battleground in that vintage Stakes?
2: Yeah, I wasn't unimpressed with him, but he, you know, both wins, you know, have been sort of rather workmanlike than really sort of eye-catching, haven't they? Um, I think we've got him rated 110p and... It 's interesting when you look at uh, the vintage on how much of a uh, stepping stone it is to group one um, it 's probably as important a two year old race as, as there is. Um, I think six of the last eight winners have gone on to win at group one level i don 't think uh, you know Battleground is going to be a pinatubo, but you know you 're looking at races like the Dewhurst later in the season, probably before that. Um, you know, there's the good seven furlong group one in Ireland. That looks, um, you know, the obvious uh, place to go, the national stakes. And, you know, I think, you know, he's certainly as good a two year old as they've got at the minute without setting the ports racing. What about supremacy? Really came of age in that Richmond stakes? He did, yeah. And he's actually the highest rated two year old in time form now. We've got him on 116p. And I think, uh, you know, you look at that. And he 's looked well ready for Group one races. You know we were thinking you know do they go middle part next, but I think they 're talking that uh, they 're not going to rest on the laurels and actually uh, the race in France that's shaping up to be a, a real cracker against his stable mate that won the Coventry um, he, he could go there and supremacy you know some people might wonder whether he had a bit of an advantage, how he got across to the rail and wasn 't for catching there you know. It was a case that uh, you know they weren't coming back under those quick conditions at Goodwood, but we were certainly impressed and uh, you know like i say hes, he's as good a two year old or, or, or the best two year old we've seen out so far, and a really good story in the malcum uh,
1: steel ball winning it um, and uh, Colin Keane warming up for Siski and having a, a lovely side to there. he he look he's a Colt to a separate apart from a maiden, the looks of him ought to come from him too,
2: yeah, definitely, and I think we're going to see um, that Put under the microscope uh, at the weekend he's been supplemented for the Phoenix stakes but in terms of the Molcum, I think it, it was a weak race as far as the Malcolm goes the fact that you know he was just in there as a once raced uh, impressive winner backed into favoritism it wasn't a deep race by any means he was impressive but you look at the form of the likes of the Learjet and uh, the Hannan two-year-old as well uh, that um, beat the Learjet out in France last time they set a higher standard and steel bull well, over six furlongs turned out quickly. I think he's his favorite for the Phoenix, and mm. I'd be slightly wary about him, and I'd probably be looking, you know, to side with others at the likely prices, perhaps.
3: Can I do a, a footnote to the vintage? I thought there was a really striking paragraph in uh, an article in the Racing Post this week. And Dave and Dave Ord and I discussed this on Saturday. Does the Saturday card at Goodwood just need a bit of a bit of a boost and uh I, I think there's a there's definitely an argument for that P- possibly what what people would be concerned about if you move around things too much you you uh you take away from the quality on one of the other days but the vintage stakes is such a good race on the first day as as david says here very often you know what have you got Pinatubo, galileo gold extension sir percy shamadal al half dr devious way back all all winning that race you no know, maybe the vintage stakes on the, on the saturday to be uh, to to complement the great big betting race in the stewards cup would be a, a really uh, it, really interesting way forward i think say, uh, I,
0: I think you i think you're right We saturday Cornelius. i'd like to see the Lennox one day big a group 1 and be on the saturday
3: yeah but do you think do you think it really justifies Group 1 status? And do you think, you know, if we're talking about things to grab your audience on ITV, to grab the big big, big audience on the Saturday of Goodwood, do you think the Lennox, with, with respect to Space Blues, uh, do you think the Lennox is going to going to do that, whether it's Group 1 or listed or, or whatever? I just feel that... Yeah, I think, I think, it, I think it might have got a decent-sized mm. field, and yeah. we haven't got a Group 1 7
0: furlong race, so no. so I think it could capture the imagination, rather than some two-year-olds that a Saturday audience would have never heard of.
3: Yeah, but then their horses to latch onto, going, that, that's what I'm thinking, latch, yeah. latch onto going forward. So it's just, I just-
0: I, no, I think it's a great idea for Saturday. As a one-sentence yeah,
3: really... addendum in and it's- Can I,
0: can it's, I ask yeah. David one question?
3: <laughs> Fire away. Quickly,
0: just yeah. in lockdown, David, say, let's take Battleground as the example, and this is obviously your responsibility. You say 110p. I imagine normally you'd, you'd buzz that around the office, would you, and just get a second and a third opinion? How does it work now for you to finalise that figure?
2: Well, to be honest, as handicappers, we take individual responsibility for certain distances and we take advice from the reporter. We try not to do handicapping by committee as such, uh, but obviously, you know, if you get a real eye-catching figure, you know, for example, Stradivarius, when we rated him 130, that was one where you're sort of thinking, well, actually, if we do rate this 130, it, it says quite a lot. So yeah, we'd sort of pinged a few emails around uh, the odd Zoom call here and there. That's that's still going on. So we're very much the case, even though we're all working from home, leaning on each other for ideas and support uh, still. But like I say, in terms of on a day-to-day basis, individual ratings, you're trying not to put too many brains, it's sort of too many cooks spoil the broth almost.
3: I'm okay, pleased to hear you saying the word handicappers. You've been I thought ratings bores, which you used a couple of times earlier on, was the technical term at time for that. <laughs> great to hear the word handicappers being used again.
1: Final word to Ed, and we're running out of time. A thoroughly enjoyable as ever, Ed, it's, I think you realise how much Mr. Shergar cup this week, and we started looking through the six-day decks on Monday for the weekend. But great news that the cameras are at Salisbury on Sunday. It'd be great to have that track in the spotlight.
0: And Thursk. Yeah, normally I'm on holiday. Thursk
1: is a magnificent place. No, this you is like, my like two weeks.
0: This is, this is my two weeks away. When, when, when I used to present the football, we used to go on quite nice holidays. In, in, since I've moved to racing, it was um, a rented apartment somewhere. But this, this would be the two weeks I'd take off. So this is a new experience for me this weekend and then Newbury next weekend. And, and, and it's a big part. I went on Nick Luck show earlier today and I talked about how things might be different. One thing I love doing is sharing the love of race courses. And over the next few weeks, I'm gonna trying to think of who we're featuring. We've got Salisbury and Thirst coming up, which is great. Salisbury, as you know, is very close to my heart and Marcus Tregonning's heart, Audie, and so hopefully yours as well, my local track. We've got Perth, we've got oh. Carlisle, we've got Ripon. We've got all sorts of racecourses coming up. I love showcasing, particularly in this current climate, the smaller racecourses. So I can't remember what your question was, but yeah, I'm really excited about it.
1: <laughs> that, that was it. And, commis, <laughs> and if you're listening, commiserations to Ollie Bell for missing out on the main presenting gig for the two weeks. That usually lots of effortlessly. <laughs> Ed's domestic arrangements have counted against you now. Thank you, that's we're being beaten by the clock, but thank you so much to Ed, Connie and David. Don't forget to check out timeform.com for all the details that offers on race passes, etc. In-depth analysis for the races and previews. A fantastic tool to get you to get using if you can. Uh, we'll be back next week reflecting on the action from the weekend, the news stories, and the build-up continuing then to the Welcome Georgia Eva Festival, which is just around the corner. Thanks
0: for listening to this Sporting Life podcast. For more, visit sportinglife.com. And you can find us on social media, at Sporting Life on Twitter and at facebook.com forward slash Sporting life